Podcast, brought to you by the Mary Christie Institute, a thought leadership organization dedicated to the behavioral health and well-being of teens and young adults. We have a particular focus on college students. I'm Marjorie Malpedi, the executive director of the Mary Christie Institute. And I'm Dana Humphrey, the associate director of the Mary Christie Institute, and we're the hosts of the Quadcast. Hi, and welcome to the Quadcast. My name is Molly Ames. I'm a reporter for the Mary Christie Institute and the guest host of today's episode. Psychology and the Good Life is a psych course developed by Professor Lori Santos at Yale University to teach students about strategies that can help us all feel happier, stress less, and flourish more. For showing young people how to start living more satisfying lives and also promote health and well-being in their communities, the class became the most popular in Yale's 300-plus-year history. Then to reach non-Yale students, Professor Santos made the course available through the online course provider Coursera, and more recently has begun work to adapt the content for a high school curriculum. But at Nobles and Greenough School, an independent middle and high school in Dedham, Massachusetts, Counseling Director Jen Hamilton has been teaching a version of Psychology in the Good Life for years as a senior elective. She was one of the first to consider how this content could serve a younger demographic, secondary students, and then apply it in that way. We're very lucky to get to hear from Jen today on the podcast about her experience implementing this material for high schoolers and the impact it's had on both them and her. So thank you so much for joining us, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to talk with you and to talk about the science of well-being for teens. Likewise, I'm very excited to have you here. As you know, the Mary Christie Institute tends to focus more on the college student demographic. So I'm really looking forward to learning more about how you've been developing this content and these skills around wellness and happiness for high schoolers who are, of course, also terribly in need of mental health support right now. So tell me about bringing this course, Psychology and the Good Life, to Nobles. How did you hear about the opportunity? Or or maybe I should say, how did you create the opportunity? Great question. Well, I, I read about it in 2018 in the New York Times. There was a great article talking about how Dr. Lori Santos was teaching this course at Yale for the first time. And some crazy amount of kids, maybe like 1,200 kids signed up immediately. And she taught the kids about the science of happiness, basically, and this idea that certain things that we think are going to make us happy just really don't, and understanding the science behind why that is. And then she really goes in depth about here are the things that do make us happy. So I was really intrigued reading the article that something, of course, like this is even being taught. And it mentioned in the article that they were going to be developing a Coursera version, which is a free online course. And so I just kind of kept watching Coursera, watching Coursera. And when it was available, I immediately took it, as did one of my colleagues, another one of the psychologists at Nobles. We both independently took it. I just couldn't stop talking about the content. I kept you know, going to my family and saying, can you believe there was this study? And I also immediately incorporated all of the, she calls them rewirements in the course, where, different ways that you can actually rewire your brain to be happier. And so I immediately incorporated those things into my life. And I just felt like this stuff makes a huge difference. And 
I think about Noble's kids as being very similar, probably in profile to kids that end up going to Yale. They're very, very high achieving. At times, they don't know how to take their foot off the gas. And a lot of times they are putting their heads down and just saying, okay, if I just really work, work, then when I reach my goal, then I can be happy. And a lot of times what we find is that kids are disillusioned because they reach their goal and then what they've been doing is practicing being miserable, really, <laughs> in order to get there. And then they actually don't know how to how to just kind of be and to sit in the opportunity that they're in and be present with it. So my colleague and I were like, we, we just have to teach this information to our kids if we can. So I reached out to Dr. Santos. I never really thought that she would get back to me, you know, given how busy and how many things that she's working on. And she immediately wrote back to me and was so gracious and generous. And basically, you know, when I asked her about, is there a way to teach this to high school kids? She said, we have been really interested in developing this information for younger learners, but we're just not really there yet. And so we kept in touch. And later that spring, so I guess it was the spring of 2019, I thought to myself, while we're waiting for them to develop this, what if we taught the college content here at Nobles to seniors as a senior elective in the science department? And I knew that our school would be really supportive of this idea because we're very, very attuned to the importance of teaching kids to take care of their well-being in order to to really achieve at a high level. So I asked Dr. Santos about this, and she immediately connected me with her wonderful assistant, who's really a, an angel, a very cool angel on earth. And they basically just said, okay, great. How can we help you make this work? And so I spent that summer, again, with my colleague, just working on parsing out all the videos. Well, you know, How do we want to teach this? How do we want to break it up for the kids? Are there extra things that we might want to include, et cetera? So basically, again, to just speak to Dr. Santos' generosity with her intellectual property, it was amazing. I've just, I'm just floored with how much she shared with us in order to help us make this be successful. And so we started teaching it in the fall of 2019 as a senior elective. And very fortunately, we were teaching it during the pandemic. <laughs> it was so helpful to be able to connect with our kids this way. And we've taught it. So this is our fourth year teaching it. I'm teaching it now for the eighth time. And it's just been probably one of the best things that I've ever done professionally. Very rewarding. Wow. That is great to hear. So it sounds like Lori Santos and her team have sort of moved further along now in creating more of a standardized curriculum for high schools to adapt, but that maybe you were at the very beginning of that. Were you helping and kind of uh, in communication with them as they tried to make it accessible to more high schools more widely? Yes, very much so. I really hope that we've been able to benefit them as much as they've benefited us. So yes, as we were teaching the course, we would talk very frequently with Belinda Platt, who's the assistant at Yale, who's helping create this course content. And she would say, how does this land with high school kids? What do you think? We, we just kind of were in very, very regular communication. And they also, a couple of years ago, they approached us to have a more formal pilot program studying the science of well-being and its effect on teens. Um, and so, you know, they, there was IRB approval and all, you know, all of this stuff to have kids take a, a sort of a happiness uh, measurement before and after taking the class. And so we did, we ran that a few times and, you know, they interviewed our students quite a few times. And we also 
had the opportunity, this part was really cool, as they developed the new video content for the high schoolers, they would ask me and some of our students to look at the videos and just say, okay, you know, do you think this would work with a high school? Or how do you think this lands? You know, what do you think about these memes? What do you think? And so it was really, really cool to see it come about. And I just have been really floored, actually, with how they took the content, the college level content, and really distilled it in a way that is so accessible to teens without losing any of the essence of it or any of the, you know, important points. It's it's actually really quite impressive. And I think the teen version is extraordinary. I'm really excited about it. And you talked a little bit about this earlier in terms of maybe some of the the high achieving students at at Nobles and attitudes and need for certain requirements that might be similar to Yale students. But was your motivation to bring this course to Nobles also connected to what you were seeing and experiencing in terms of the climate of mental health at Nobles specifically? And what had that been looking like as you have continued to develop this course? Yeah, I mean, I think that we we know, I mean, the CDC data was just released from the Youth Risk Behavior Survey from 2021, and it's really, really staggering. Well over 40% of kids are saying that they've been so sad or, or depressed that they're unable to do their usual activities for two weeks or more. I think it said that 28% of of high school kids are reporting that they've seriously considered suicide. We try to be really proactive about mental health at Nobles. We've really moved from a model. I've been there for 21 years. We've really moved from a model of being more of, you know, doing triage. Kids are struggling and we kind of like quietly behind closed doors are helping to a model where we're really trying to get all kids talking about mental health, doing a lot of psychoeducation. I think that to answer your question, I think that our mental health trends certainly mirror, I'm sure, what's going on in the whole United States and the pandemic for sure did did not help. You're always going to have in a school, you're going to have kids who struggle with mental health challenges. And you're also going to have kids who don't, but every single kid is going to have bumps in the road. They're going to have disappointments that they have to deal with. They're going to have to sit with discomfort and uncertainty. And I think that one of the reasons that I really felt that it was important to bring this material to our kids is that I think everybody deserves to have a really good toolkit of like how to manage when things are bumpy and also how to enjoy the good stuff. It's psychology and the good life, how to enjoy the good life when it's good instead of just kind of being a zombie and marching through your life without paying attention. The, The other thing that I really, really worry about is that, you know, I've noticed as over the years, as everybody has smartphones now and kids are spending so much time on social media that, and this happens to adults too, right? Is that you, as soon as you're bored, as soon as you're uncomfortable, as soon as you feel any, any sensation or thought that you just don't really want to sit with, it's really easy to pick up the pacifier of the phone. And in doing that, we don't learn how to tolerate distress and discomfort. And so I think that I felt that it was really important to teach this information to our kids so that they could sort of know how to deal with those difficult moments. And then, you know, finally, I'm thinking about brain development, right? Like our our brains are not fully developed until we're like 24 or 25. And it's wonderful to teach this stuff to college students. But, you know, wouldn't it be even so much better if we could intervene when kids are younger and actually like change the trajectory of their lives in a way by giving them, them these skills that can actually rewire their brains when they're young while their brains are developing. And you've alluded to the culture at at Nobles of trying to institute preventative measures around mental health and mental health support. Did you run into any trouble trying to get 
approval to teach this course or are there larger efforts to incorporate this kind of mental health awareness and wellness into coursework and curricula? Yeah, no, I did not. To say that we didn't run into any any bumps in the road would be an would be a massive understatement. There's so much support at Nobles for doing things like this. And, you know, given that we've got really high achieving kids, we know that, you know, perfectionism and, well, perfectionism in in particular is a really big risk factor for mental health challenges for kids. And so we want to think of ways to convince kids that if you take care of your well-being and you have healthy habits, then actually you're not watering down your education. You're actually increasing the chances that you'll be able to do all of the really challenging things that you want to do. I think that what we've been thinking about at Nobles is ways to infuse well-being, mental health, things like this. Not just have it be like something that my department works on, but throughout our our full curriculum, we're trying to kind of connect all the dots. So there's a lot of work going on, whether it's through affinity spaces or through, as I was saying, you know, psychoeducation, doing things like suicide prevention. We have a partnership with an organization out of Stanford called Challenge Success that's really focused on looking at kids, particularly in, in high-achieving kids in high-achieving schools, and thinking about how we can sort of elevate student voice to get them talking more and understanding more about well-being and belonging and connection and things like this. So there are so many ways right now in which our school is really, really trying to elevate well-being. And we would love for our kids when they graduate nobles to have a toolkit of not just how to hit, how to handle the bumps in the road as you're on your journey to get to college, but like through college, well through college. And, you know, there, there are st- looking at some statistics about kids who drop out of college because of mental health challenges. It's mm-hmm. staggering. I mean, I think that I just read in 2022, not to get too granular, but like 1.65% of college kids are dropping out for mental health reasons. Right. And I thought that's really troubling. And we have to make sure that kids are equipped. We don't want to just equip them and prepare them to get into college. We want to like make sure that they can handle all the things that are going to happen in college and beyond. So Definitely. And to get into some of the content in this course, Psychology and the Good Life, it sounds like when you first started tackling it, you were dealing with the lectures and the content from the college course. And how did you take that and choose what pieces to focus on or that might be most important for a high school population? That's a great question. Since we're teaching it, we've been teaching it as a senior elective. It's a semester-long course. It meets three times a week. So we actually have a lot of time to play with. And I honestly had a really hard time thinking well, let's cut this or let's cut that. I think the kids, I want them to hear every single nugget. And so what we've done is kind of split up the work between showing some videos in class, stopping the videos when when there are good discussion points and talking with the kids about what they're learning, assigning the videos for homework so that then the next day we can have them come in and talk about what they've learned. It was a lot of investment and time and definitely just thinking about how can we make this most helpful to kids. And there are right now, now finally, there are three versions of this course out there. There's the psychology and the good life, which is actually the lectures being taught from the podium at Yale. And anybody can have access to that content, which is incredible. There's the Coursera version, which is the science of well-being, which is the one that I took over the summer. And now on Coursera, there's the science of well-being for teens. And all three of the courses, if you go online and check them out, they all have There's a lot of crowdsourcing, people who are saying, okay, this is what I tried, this worked for me, 
There's a lot of support for educators who want to try to make it work, whether it's connecting with other educators or talking directly with folks at Yale. They purposely have left it fairly open, knowing that different schools are going to have different ways that they're going to want to teach it. And so I guess what I would say is you do have to really put in the time to figure out what is it that we want to include. It doesn't. You don't have to show all the videos. I know a lot of folks are just taking some of the concepts and having the kids work together on the rewirements. But what we did at Nobles is we do spend time showing all the videos. And I think one of the most important things is obviously getting kids talking. We do a lot of think pair shares, things like that. We do a lot of interactive type activities to really get them chewing on the material together. But one of the most important things that I really recommend is looking at these different rewirements, different ways that you rewire your brain. Things like taking time to spend on human connection, meditation, having a gratitude practice, doing kind acts for other people, savoring, sleep and exercise, which you can't really practice in school, although the kids probably would love to go back to nap time like we did in kindergarten. Things like figuring out what your signature strengths are. And the new teen version, actually, I really love this. They've added some content around re- reframing thoughts, how to, how to practice self-compassion, things like that. And so I think that if you're going to be teaching this content, it's so important that you practice it together because I, I think it's, Laurie Santos talks about this idea, the G.I. Joe effect, which basically, I don't know, but well, kids don't know who G.I. Joe is anymore, which is funny, <laughs> but, but we know, we adults know that at the end of every G.I. Joe show, he would, he would always say, now you know, and knowing is half the battle. And, and she says, you know, it's not actually, it's not enough to, to know that something is going to be helpful. You actually have to put in the time and practice it. Because a lot of us know, we know that getting enough sleep is good for you. We know there's so much science behind why meditation is good for you. But like, people don't, people don't really do it. And I think in schools, often, we think, oh, you know what, this stuff is too soft, we really have to just focus in on being rigorous with our academics and help our kids get to the next highest thing that they want to achieve. But I really think that if, if a school cares about their students and their students achievement, then they have to care about their well being. And if they care about their well being, then they have to be willing to devote some time to it. We, in the class, it's a very experiential class. And so we start each class with having the kids do a gratitude journaling. And again, it's not enough to just sort of think to yourself, oh, I'm grateful for my family, big, big things. It's not enough to do that. You actually have to rewire your brain. And what so what we have the kids do is we say, the prompt is, what are three things that have happened in the last 24 hours that you feel grateful for? Write them down. So we give them, you know, a mason jar and some color, colorful paper, and we have them jot down three things. And then at the end of the semester, they all have this jar full of all these different things. And I say to the kids, you know, what happens over time is that we're all born with a negativity bias. We kind of are trained to scan the environment for things that are dangerous. And there's evolutionary purpose for that. It's great, but it's not very adaptive right now. And I say to kids all the time, you get a paper back and there are 10, the teacher writes 10 things on it. What are you going to focus in on? Of course, the criticism. And what practicing gratitude does is it helps you knowing at the end of the day that you're going to think to write down what were three things that happened that I'm grateful for. It's over a couple of weeks, a few weeks, you start to notice that you're scanning the environment for things that you're going to be great. You write about being grateful for. And then all of a sudden you're, you're noticing them all. And of course, if you're noticing, you know, hundreds of little things throughout the day that you could be grateful for that you might 
otherwise not noticed, of course, that's going to change your your attitude and make you happier. So again, putting in the time, we put in time every day for meditation. We actually have started having the kids lead the meditations, which has been wonderful. You know, have spending time talking about kind acts or even every now and then we'll just send them off and just be like, go, go do something nice for somebody else. It could be something little, but, you know, we really want to put our money where our mouths are. Savoring, I think I mentioned, which is kind of this cool combination between gratitude and mindfulness where you're doing something and you're really paying attention to it. So one day we, one of my colleagues who I teach with, Dr. Latasha Sarpi, she's wonderful. She had this idea of doing savoring stations. And so we set up a taste station. We had the kids choose a type of tea that they want to drink. We did a touch station where we filled a bucket full of Orbeez and just let them put their hands in it. We did a sound bath station. We had some aromatherapy and had the kids around with that. And so, and vision, I think we had them bring in pictures and share pictures with one another, but doing things like where we're really showing them, hey, if you guys do this stuff, it it really does make a difference. So, And in terms of the response from students when you first decided or announced that you would be teaching this class, what was that like? And was the response from them unexpected for you at all? Yeah, I think because we called the course Psychology in the Good Life, as Dr. Santos did at Yale, I think a lot of people looked at it and they said, oh, psychology, I'm going to take a psychology 101 class. And so they, they, I think a lot of kids in the, that first semester got there and they were like, oh, okay, this is a little <laughs> different than what I expected, but it's kind of awesome. And so of course, then they talked with their friends and the next semester we had a waiting list and then the next semester we had a waiting list. And I think that kids want to take the course because, well, a lot of reasons. One, I think it's just really interesting material and they want to know how to be happier. They want to have some tips. But I think some kids honestly probably feel like, oh, this this is going to be a little bit more of a relaxed class. My friends tell me that it's fun. Conversations are interesting. That's something that I'm super interested in. But I will say that they do have to do a, f- a pretty big final project, a research paper, which is, uh, it's called the Hack Yourself Project, where they basically choose one of the requirements and they double down on it. And they just say, uh, they make a hypothesis and they say, okay, if I say somebody wants to choose sleep, if I get at least eight hours of sleep every night, I hypothesize that my happiness level is going to go up or I'm going to feel less stressed. And we have them actually do a scientific experiment on themselves and they have to write a scientific paper and they have to, they have to present it in front of the class. And I think sometimes kids will say, whoa, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to have to do a research project. So that's kind of funny. But they always end up saying, you know what, I'm going to continue doing this thing. I'm glad that I had the opportunity to really zero in on something. And I say to kids, if you if you think you're taking this class because you think it's going to be easy, it could be. You could come and really enjoy talking with your friends and you'll learn, you can learn a lot. But it also could be the hardest class you're ever going to mm-hmm. take because we're really asking you to change your behavior in ways that are going to be hard. And so it's like one of these situations where whatever you put into it is what you get out of it. So overall, I think the response has been awesome. And you know, if anybody's seen the nightly news piece, just hearing the the testimonials of those three kiddos that have one was taking the class now, two, two took it before. I mean, I think it's life-changing stuff. It's really, really cool. I'm really proud that we're able to teach this material. And Dr. Santos has done such an amazing thing to share this and to do it so selflessly. I think I saw that 4 million people have taken the course online. And during the pandemic, she was just putting it out there for free and anybody can take it for free. It's just so, it's really good stuff. I think that all people should take it, honestly. Yes. And and just for the 
audience or our listeners, the segment you referred to is, was that on NBC? Yes, Uh, NBC Nightly News. Okay. If you Google happiness high school, I'm sure it will come right up. And we can link to it also through our page. Yeah, and and I'll I'll just say quickly, it was so cool how that came about. I think that the Nightly News found out that this teen course was being released in early February, and they just interviewed, they wanted to interview Dr. Santos and reached out to her. And I think that she and her assistant said, if you want to talk to somebody who's been teaching this for a long time at the high school level, you should go over to Nobles. And so it was a really big surprise, and it was really fun. And our kids, I was so, so, so proud of them. And um, you had asked me before, I think I realized I, I might have neglected to answer this. But yes, I think that for the past many years, we we might be the only high school that has been doing this. And I've connected with some folks who are doing some version of it or trying to implement some version. And it's fun. There's a really good community of people out there who have been working on it. And so I think at this point, we're certainly not the only folks, but I think that maybe we're the were the diehards. And when I reached out to when I reached out to Dr. Santos and she connected me with her assistant, I was really incredulous. I think actually it's one of my more embarrassing moments. I I was talking with her and she was sharing with me how how she was going to basically do anything to help us and share all the materials and I literally said out loud, "Oh my goodness, my heart is pounding with excitement right now. That's such a nerd." She's so great grateful about it and I said to her, "Why are you sh- I can't believe you're sharing all of this with us. And she said, you're the first person that asked. Hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> well, what you find embarrassing, I'm sure your students really appreciate just to have a have a teacher who's really enthusiastic. That, I am. <laughs> that, that attitude contagious. But I also wonder in terms of the community of other high schools that might be growing and one day implement this course at their institutions, are the kind of research papers that you've had your students do kind of good, I guess, data collection for you on really concrete kind of impact of the course on students. And obviously habit forming is really hard for anyone, let alone at a young age. And are you seeing when they're doing these projects that they're really able to to implement changes and and to stick to them and, and they end up being paying off for their personal happiness levels. Yes, very, very much so. Seeing kids really transform their sleep habits and realize, oh my gosh, when I get more sleep, I'm actually more efficient and my homework doesn't take as long and I have better coping skills. My mood is better. I can pay more attention. I'm remembering things. It's that, you know, I've had kids who are just like, I'm never going back. So it's so funny. They go off to college and their sleeping habits are actually better in college than they had been in high school, which is kind of a a little flip-flop and and it's great. We've had kids who have decided to cut down on social media so that they can spend more time with in-person connections. And that has been really, really transformational because then you start to realize like, ah, this stuff is actually having, it's, it's kind of toxic at times. I think that social media is important for kids. And there are a lot of really wonderful things that come out of it. Uh, But it's also when you spend so much time on it, you're constantly comparing yourself to others. That's not so good for us. And, and as I was saying before, I think we just lose the ability to, to think and reflect and be bored and have an imagination. So I think that when kids have chosen that as a rewirement, that that has been really, 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 really life-changing. Also doing kind acts for other people and sort of training yourself to get into the habit of that. I, I think you know, people realize, wow, this actually makes me really happy to do this. I want to keep doing it. And you know, similarly with things like meditation, taking the time to to create this practice. We've had kids actually who have the have whoop straps and they start meditating. They're like, oh my gosh, this actually changes my 
know, if I meditate during the day, it actually changes my sleep quality at night. It actually changes my recovery. It's it's really cool for them to see. So we do have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of anecdotal data um, and, you know, data through their papers for sure. And for you as a counselor has either the research that they do on themselves or just what they share in class been eye-opening for you or taught you more about the things that they are struggling with and what kind of support they need that you hadn't necessarily known about or thought about as much beforehand? That's a great question. I think the extent to which kids really believe and are sold this really big bunch of lies about what is going to make them happy. Kids, the first half of the class is really kind of breaking down here are all the ways that your mind is lying to you. Here are all the things that you think are going to make you happy. Here's why they don't. And kids really, really, really hang on to their beliefs. They're really, really sticky beliefs about, well, no, no, I really know that if I get into this college of my choice, then I know I'll be happy. And it's when you applied to Nobles, you were super happy when you when you got in. And do you wake up every day now and like, woo, I'm at Nobles, <laughs> you know? So I think that this is a, this is concept that kids learn about in the course called hedonic adaptation, which is this idea that we get used to things and we don't realize that we get used to things. So I think that one one of the things that I've learned is that kids really, and we've seen this with our students, kids really mispredict massively how happy they're going to be when something good happens, and also how upset they're going to be if something bad happens, and really what we have found is that it's, we, as I said, hedonic adaptation, we get used to things. We have a psychological immune system that kicks in that helps us deal with hard things. And I think that kids don't realize that. And it's really fun to see one of, one of the ways that Dr. Santos teaches us is she shows visual illusions, right? Where you have like the shepherd's table illusion where you look at a a table that's exactly the same length and width. Um, and it's just being shown at a different angle. And you look at it and you could swear one of them is longer and skinnier than the other. I, I can tell just by looking at it. And then you take a, a piece of paper and kind of measure, actually, no, they're exactly the same. They just look different. And you learn this and you can know this, but you still look at those tables and you're like, no, but they still look different. And so this is what's happening with kids and their beliefs and humans and their beliefs is that you might know that your brain is lying to you, but you just still fall for it every single time. (laughs) And so I think that one of the things that I've learned is definitely how sticky the thoughts are with our students around what it means to be successful, what it means to have a happy life. And just so interesting to me, because if you ask, if you really drill down and ask people, ask teenagers, okay, what, what do you think will make you happy? And they'll say, getting good grades. Why do you want to get good grades? Because I want to get into a good college. Why do you want that? Well, because I want to get a good job so that I can make a lot of money. And and then what? You know, I think presumably the idea is that you get to this place so that you can finally rest and be happy. And I'm like, but why? First of all, that doesn't, that's not going to work. It's actually not going to make you happy. But the other thing is, why not be happy now? Why not actually practice these things right now? And then there's probably a pretty good chance that by doing that, you're actually going to find something that is really fulfilling that you love to do and you'll be good at it and you'll make a, you'll make a fine living and making more money is not going to, is not going to bring you more happiness. And so again, the kids are like, really? (laughs) But yeah, I think it, it, again, in terms of like struggles, mental health struggles, we're very, very fortunate at Nobles in that kids, there haven't been any surprises in this 
course for me and my colleagues who are teaching it, because I think that kids are very open to talking with adults and sharing what's on their minds and what worries them and when they're worried about a friend. And again, I think that comes back to the trying to be really proactive about things like mental health. And so uh, there haven't really been any big surprises or secrets. And one sort of side note on that is that I think one of the most important roles of mental health professionals, either in high school or college, is to make sure that other adults in the community are equipped and prepared when kids come to talk with them or write things that are that are concerning. Because really, a lot of times kids are just going to go to who they trust. It might be their coach. It might be their English teacher. And so making sure, I think you really, at Nobles, we do a really good job of creating a big safety net for kids where um, whoever they go to, they're going to know what to do. They're going to, and if they don't know what to do, they're going to ask somebody who does and we're going to figure it out. And I think that we've done a really nice job at Nobles of, and, and I appreciate the administration really prioritizing this. Our department has grown a lot over the last 21 years that I've been at Nobles. And I appreciate that they trust us to put programming in place. And I appreciate that they support us in putting program in place and that they prioritize it. Yes. Well, that that's great to hear. And I wonder if I can ask you one more question, what you're thinking about in terms of the future of of this course, whether at Nobles or specifically at Nobles, but also in general? Yeah, great question. So at Nobles, now that the well, we're going to continue to teach the the college version of the content as a senior elective, but I'm so excited about this. We are actually next year going to teach the teen version to all juniors at Nobles. And that is like a dream. I'm so happy that all kids will now learn about this content. And it will be a, a once a week, like a wellness course. We won't assign homework. It'll just be. So I'll have to I'll have to spend some time figuring out how are we going to parse it out? How are we going to create all of the classes and make it experiential and make time for the requirements and also for all the videos? I'll spend some time on that for sure. I've just started. <laughs> But what I hope for this course is that every high school will will create the space for their kids to have this wonderful and important content. And I hope that all educators who are interested in this will go online, go to Coursera, take the teen version, and just see how incredibly impactful it is. And I would say, too, that if anybody is interested in teaching it, please don't teach it until you have taken it and you're practicing all of the requirements, because I think kids can smell hypocrisy a mile away. And they can also tell when people are really walking the walk. And what I want for the future of this course is I want all educators to take it, even if you're not going to teach it at, at your school. If you take it, you'll probably will incorporate a lot of these a lot of these different techniques into your own life, which will make you a better teacher, first of all. But then you'll also probably want to use a lot of them in the classroom. And I just really think that the future, I hope that I can be an ambassador, I suppose I am, but I, I want to be as active an ambassador for this course and for this content as I can be because I'm just so grateful that we've been able to teach it. And I, I hope that other kids can benefit and other communities can benefit as much as we have. Well, Jen, thank you so much for joining us on the quadcast today. It's been such a pleasure to hear about your great experience teaching this course, and certainly you are an ambassador for it now, and I know that is going to benefit many other communities going forward. And I'm really looking forward to following up and hearing more about the course for your juniors next year. That sounds wonderful, and I can only wish that I had the opportunity to to take it my junior year of high school. So really looking forward to staying in touch, and thank you so much for your time. 
Thank you. I would love that. And I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me about this. See you soon. Bye-bye. This has been The Quadcast, a program of the Mary Christie Institute. To learn more about our work, go to marychristieinstitute.org, where you can sign up for our other programs like the MC Feed and the Mary Christie Quarterly. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening.